It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Change um, since March, Mikey. Um, my schedule it normally entail like, three minimum days a week or evenings a week involved in football at some level, but since March, there's been nothing at all on all games on the telly and stuff. And have you had to adjust your life a little bit because you would have been so involved uh, with the minors, we'll say last year, and we'll talk about them a little later in the interview, but obviously up and down to your own club as well, and suddenly that's all taken away. It is, yeah. Look, I suppose there's been a lot of changes within our own club this year. We've gone down a level to junior B, um, Played, we've, we've won game played and we had gone back training earlier um, because of the competition is different. It's played earlier in the year, whereas normally Garnish wouldn't be playing until, um, we say, late July or early August in a Barra Championship and then hoping to go out in the county afterwards. Whereas this year we were due to play our first game in May, which meant we would have had to prepare a small bit earlier. Let's talk about Garnish uh, for a moment. That's where. You are born and reared and where you love to this day. It's 100 miles west of Cork City, down deep in the Beira Peninsula. Yeah, well, I was actually born in London and came back at the age of 10 weeks old um, to live in the depths of which are the Beira Peninsula, out towards the very end where Garnish parishes. A lot of people confuse it with Garnish Island, which is just off Lingaris, but there's a little pier and... Uh, post office, there was a post office down in, in Garnish and uh, the the club was called after that. So, um, and I suppose that's where I have spent my time and playing uh, and got my grassroots in down on the tip of the Barrow Peninsula. And I know like deep down there, it's, it's, it's a huge challenge because first of all, it's I suppose a sparsely populated part of the country, but it's also a long ways away from everywhere else. Yeah, look, I suppose that has always been a difficulty for us, Michael, um, that we we have guys that are involved with the club and they're in Dublin or they're in Limerick or they're in Cork City um, and we have guys in London. Now, we've lost a couple of very good players to uh, Australia and America who aren't capable of travelling back and forth. But uh, we've had guys that have travelled back and forth for, even for the last number of years to play football with Garnish. Uh, David Rue Harrington um, being the main guy and guys coming from all the other cities. But um, look, I suppose it's we're a very small, close-knit community and because of that, I suppose we try and keep everybody involved um, as much as possible. And there's a great community spirit associated with it because the club is so small. 
I know you are obviously born into a kind of a big GA family. They absolutely love the game. What's your sort of earliest memory of being involved with the club? Um, I, I think my first game at the club was at 10 years of age. Nine or 10 years of age, we played Castletown Bear. In the, it wasn't even a football field because the club didn't have a field at the time. It was called the Schlieve, where there used to be horse racing and sports going on, school fun days and stuff. In Allihies, where we played Castletown Bear in a challenge game. Um, and then I will say I played underage all the way up along um, with Garnish and then with Bearer from under 12 up to minor. Um, I started playing uh, adult level football with Garnish. It was a bit like the moment where numbers were small and it was hard to field. It was in the high temperature session. A lot of the lads were in, a lot of the, we said the lads who were at their prime were in London or um, weren't able to travel. So I played my first game at 14. I think <laughs> they stuck me into the corner just to make up a team so we could field them the day. I know that the sort of the first time I suppose people outside of the parish started taking notice of you is when when you went to secondary school and then you wound up in kind of various schools teams and eventually turned up in a in a vocational schools team. I did, yeah. Um, I played vocational minor going back in 1989. Um, your great colleague Paddy Palmer was a selector in that team. We went on uh, to win a Munster Championship and we got beaten by Tyrone in all Ireland semi final. Um, it was funny, actually, the, the current Kerry manager, Patrick Keane, was going to school in Kalash to Isagon and he played corner forward in that team. Um, so I suppose the first time then that he, really. He wouldn't, like, he wouldn't like to be. He wouldn't be like he wouldn't like to be reminded of his time wearing the Cork jersey. And of course, the first time that that sort of beer and you tasted real success was was winning a county minor. Yes, we won a county minor in '88. We had a very good balanced team. Um, we beat the Bears in a in a like they were a star sort of team. I think they had three or four Cork minors in the same year, and like they went down to Skibreen to play us. And I think it was just a case of turning up and they were going to win the county, but we took them by surprise and um, we were very fortunate and because of that I went on then the following year I was I was fortunate I was the only guy from Beira that made the minors the following year and uh, I, I got automatic captaincy back based on that Talk to me about uh, about that whole experience first of all even the journey from deep down in the Beira Peninsula as, as, as a as a, a school kid having to go all the way up to Cork to training and you were the only guy, as you say, from the from the peninsula, that must have been some experience. It was. Look, I think it was a great education for me going up to the city and meeting guys from different, we'd say, areas and stuff um, and different backgrounds in the city. I used to go to school in Castletown, um, get a lift from Castletown to Glengariff where I used to go with a selector, Terence O'Shea at the time, who'd be very involved in bearer football, um, all through the years and then I'd come back to Lingariff and some nights I'd have a lift and some nights I wouldn't have a lift that I'd have to find my way, own way home from Lingariff. Um but look it was it was a good learning experience there was always decent people on the road that would look after you and get you home you know and then I know that particular campaign in 1989 it ended for you in Fitzgerald Stadium against uh, against Kerry I think it was a, a was it a, a point defeat yeah very disappointing that we, like a very low point in my in my career, you know, to captain Cork to, let's say, a Munster final and to lose by a point was very disappointing. 
I suppose taking into consideration that we had kicked 17 wides to their tree, they were far more efficient on the day and look, it just didn't happen for us. Um, that was very disappointing. And talk to me about the experience, if you can remember back that far, the experience of running out into a Fitzgerald Stadium, a fantastic place on the on the day of a Munster Championship game. It must have been something that you'll, I know the result didn't go your way, but something I'm sure you'll remember forever in a day. Yeah, I think the standout memory for me was when we came onto the field, you know, people went into the stand in Fitzgerald Stadium a bit earlier and it was one of these typical Munster final days in Killarney with the sun scorching and um, it was the noise factor was the biggest thing in the start. But look, I suppose I was nervous. I, I remember being nervous and I remember the build-up and the tickets and all the drama that went with it. But then once the game started, you know, you, you leave it all behind you and you drive on as would say as hard as you can. Um, but the, the standout memory was when we when I led the team onto the field, the, the roar from the car crowd was unbelievable. And of course, you were involved in the following year as well with no look. Who were who were the guys that, uh, off the top of your head, that would have been on those teams that would we'd have remembered afterwards? Um, you you Kevin O'Dwyer, you had Jason Hooley, um, you had uh, Richie Lewis. To say, but a few um, Pat Hagerty was on the panel that year. He was a year younger. The following year, they went on to win the All Ireland afterwards. The following year. And then, of course, uh, after leaving Minor, there was uh, under-21, I think, for three years. And uh, it was uh, rather forgettable in terms of, of wins. Yes, we, we had no look in, those, uh, in that period of time. I went, I went straight into under-21 from, from Minor and we had three years. We, we actually did better the first two years than we did on the third year. The third year was a big disappointment. And then after that, the seniors came knocking and you met a certain Mr. Billy Morgan. Yeah. Um, geez, I was delighted. You know, I'd grown up looking at the likes of Nolka Allen and Larry Tompkins and Shane Fahey and these guys and John O'Driscoll. They were like John Cleary. Some, like, you know, they were, they were the Cork senior team. It was great. And next thing I got a call to come on board the training panel. And we trained throughout the winter. Um, I remember training above in Delaney's with the lads in lecture. It was a huge experience. I found Billy a great players, man. Um, very fair and very straight, which I, I, I couldn't speak highly enough about him. And, you know, I've I've met him on several occasions, even since in, in latter years, you know, and he's a guy I have great admiration for. And he's a guy I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with and just tap into his knowledge bank and the way he's, his football brain ticks. It's, it's just um, very interesting. Why, why, why do you think, Ollie, that he was just a special person? You're not the first person to say that. He just, I, I think he had the ability to to connect. He was, like, don't get me wrong, when you were up in, out in the field with Billy, like, you weren't spared. You got it. Like, you were, he was demanding what he wanted from you and what he was trying to teach you. Um, but I, I think where I got great respect for Billy was when our time came and we like we were we knew we were making up numbers for training look we were trying as hard as we could but um there was five of us on that um training panel and as the panel was being cut he pulled five of us together and he told us look that we were no longer required but he said in the same breath that that we were all eligible to play junior and with cock if we wanted to and that um if we wanted to go down to training, we were welcome in the junior training two nights later and we went down, joined the junior panel and we all ended up winning an All-Ireland the same year. 
Yeah, that was 1993, and of course you won another one. Uh, was it three years later in 1996? Special memories. Yeah, like I, I thought I had a great privilege in 1993. I played with, you know, some like some great guys that were like they were senior guys coming back from injury or hurlers. I played with, you know, Dennis Walsh, who would have been um, a distant cousin of my of mine, um, Pat Buckley from Milford, who played in the Cork Senior Hurlers. You had. Um, Brian Murphy, centre back, who went on to play for Kildare. You had Petty Hayes, who played um, full forward, like who was coming back from a serious knee injury. And you know there was huge variation of experience there. And then there was, like, say, there was a big, strong bearer contingent. You had um, like you had Paul Hanley and you had uh, Seamus Spencer and you had Kevin Harrington from Bantry, who had strong connections to the Garnish Club. Um, like Michael Harrington from Adrigal, like there was like there was a there was a strong West Cork contingent in that team, which was also very special. Holly, while I'm on the subject of junior football, I know there's a man in the St Michael's Club listening to us probably right now, a man that you know very well. He's your father-in-law. I know you want to mention him. Yeah, look, I suppose um, Eddie Beale has been a, he's been a great supporter of mine all the years. Um, he was a selector with the Cork Juniors. Going back, junior footballers, he was involved with Michaels, and uh, I think he'd be a great servant to his own club, and uh, a very avid GM and, and a big uh, listener of your own, Michael and County Sound, and takes a great value from the coverage you give to GA throughout the county for the whole year. And uh, I know he's in his 80s, and he's as sharp as a razor, and I wouldn't want to quote anything that'd be wrong because he'll correct me on my next visit. So. Uh, I'd like to wish him a happy birthday coming up later on in the month and a happy Father's Day. Next part of this particular interview with you, I want to focus on what was a memorable, memorable time for the division in 1997 when after 30 years you were crowned county senior football champions. But before we talk about 1997, I suppose in, in the previous couple of years, 95, 96, the tide was starting to turn. It was. And I thought it would be very unfair of me not to mention... Um, DJ Shea from Orn, who was a great bear of footballer who had made huge efforts in those years to bring the lads together. The peninsula was so small, we were playing um, regularly against each other and you know there was huge rivalry. And what he did when he got us into the bear dressing room, he, he was able to remove that rivalry and get us to play together. And I think that was instrumental in the way we went forward. And then um, when, when DJ stepped down as the manager, um, Donald Butcher O'Sullivan who'd be very well known in GA circles took over and of course the other thing I'd say that helps your cause big time as well is playing in the Kelleher Shield the Kelleher Shield that year we played loads of games I think I don't have the exact numbers Michael but I think there was somewhere in the region around 40 players represented Bearer that year uh, in like in games so like lads wanted to play lads like knew the team was strong and you know if you if lads got a phone call saying, look, we're playing tomorrow night, will you come along? They'd be only delighted to go. Of course, what was completely different about the championship that time was that if you lost, the show was over. The championship draws were made and I think Clyde were, were, were your first opponents. What was the expectation down there as to what she could achieve? Um, well, we knew Clyde were always going to be tough. That was what they were. They were my mother's club, actually. And um, like we knew that 
the first round was always our difficult one. Like that, if we could get a game under our belts, that a bit of momentum would come in. That you'd find lads that give it a small bit more effort, and that like I was team at the time um, were at a good age and were all playing with a regular football and in good physical shape. I thought we had come up through the ranks together and we'd been successful at minor under unlucky at under 21 and we'd been knocking on the door for a few years so we felt as though we got over the first round that we could get it to go, you know. And of course for that particular campaign you were also the captain because your own club of course had won the Barrett Championship the previous year. Did that put extra sort of responsibility on your shoulders or did you feel an extra responsibility? No, look, I, I suppose I didn't take any notice of it. Um, I, I was, it was obviously a huge privilege not realising where the history we were going to make at the time. But um, I think as well as that, Donald was happy to have me because of my cami effect on the team and just to keep things nice and cool in the dressing room. Now, the, you got, we mentioned the Clyde game. That was played in Sam Maguire Park in Dunmanway on the 18th of May, 1997. Bear at 13 points, Clyde Rovers, 1-9. Just scrope over the line. That's all. That's all. And we always knew that. Like, Clyde had a huge reputation for being tough. And they were very collective. They were a small club. Had done huge work. Um, and some very, like, unbelievably good players. Like, and they were very well balanced. It was a, like that was a pure battle from the start. And I think uh, Kieran O'Sullivan. I think he got nine points, if I remember right, on the day. Yeah, it, going back to that time, like Kieran was as good a free taker as you'd meet anywhere in the country. Like his his dead ball kicking was like it, it, I. But I think an awful lot of it was Kieran spent time, like huge time, practicing on his own, especially. Like he was very, very dedicated to his sport, to be fair to him. And he was a beautiful kicker of the ball. And I suppose that campaign, like we put huge pressure on him just for freeze alone. We knew if we could get freeze and kickable areas that Kiran would convert them, you know. Now, of course, then two months later, the 27th of July, 1997, Sam McGuire Park in Dunmanway, Nipir Sekou... I suppose to a certain extent you wouldn't expect would be a, a foot. Now they're a brilliant football uh, club, but you would associate them more with hurling. What were you expecting? Um, what we were expecting with them was we knew they'd be fit and they'd be tough because, like, albeit that they were, uh, we say, a very strong hurling club. That if if they give any bit of attention at all to the the football that they'd be very capable of giving us a decent challenge. And we knew that from the start, so we didn't take anything for granted. But we also knew that our, that we were only playing football and we were able to devote more time to it and that we would have had a great chance of edging them with a bit of momentum from the Clyde game. Now, you mentioned more than once there in the last couple of minutes about you being the captain because of your calming influence. Tell the listeners what you said and leave out the bleeps at half time in the dressing room. Oh, um, I just told them that um, you know if they worked a small bit harder and tried a little bit harder, that we'd have a great chance of winning the game at the end of it, Michael. Yeah, there was something like nice guys, bleep bleep bleep, don't win matches. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, look, Michael, I thought the big thing when we played in Bera at that time. Right, um, it was like it was tough football back then. You had a lot of like guys. Orden were tough. Adrigal were tough. Castlebar were tough. 
like, and we were a younger team from Garnish, and like, it was like the rivalry had like given us a huge sense of like drive on, and we we played like that. We played very much like that within Berra. Football in Berra was tough, and we needed to take that out, and we definitely needed to bring it to the table collectively, like a club team, if we had any chance of winning a county. Ninety seconds into the second half, you saw the referee walking towards you. Uh, searching for cards. What were you after doing? <laughs> I, I think I tripped over something, uh, Michael. Uh, but um, I've had a, I've had the privilege of getting very close with a lot of referees over the years. <laughs> well, uh, it, it must have been incredibly, I suppose, gut wrenching from your point of view to have to watch the rest of the match, and that your team down a man. Yeah, no, that was uh, disappointing to say the least. But um, I think there was two very strong bearer men represented me very well at um, county board level. There was um, Mick Reynolds, a fellow who's represented Garnish uh, at county board level, and Jorbat from Castletown Bear. And I think uh, they represented me very well at the county board level. And I think there was a game that was due to be played um couldn't be played because of all the lads that were fishing at the time I had to be put back for 24 hours yeah you've you've actually stolen my next question because of course <laughs> the reason or else you're preempting where this thing is going the reason of course they had to represent you is that you got a, a, a month suspension you were true to the uh, to the semi-final on the 24th of August against the big hitters in, in Duhalo the match was meant to be played in McCroom on a Saturday night but mysteriously earlier in that particular week it was put back 24 hours something about um, about the ferry to Bear Island not being able to operate on a Saturday night there was something like that I'm not sure exactly the argument but I do remember clearly what Donald Butcher O'Sullivan said to me leaving the dressing room that night in McCroom before we went onto the field and of course and of course, onto the field you went on the Sunday night and suddenly at the end of a, a tremendous hour's football, we're in the final, having won against Duhalo 15 points to seven. Yeah, that was a tough game as well. You know, some good players in Duhalo at the time. Um, Mark O'Sullivan, Denny Collins, these guys were knocking around. They were still very good. Like, and then, But like I said to you in the start, um, Michael, what we needed was a bit of momentum and that momentum was starting to grow. Lads were getting a bit of belief and to be fair to Donald and he was winged by Johnny Hoolahan from Orton and Barry Murphy um, from Bear Island. Like, they had driven a lot of belief into us and we were starting to believe ourselves that we could do this, you know. And I remember sort of being down there then before the final against the Haven. Of course, the Haven had all the big hitters. The whole peninsula bought into into Barry being in the final. Oh, it was great. Um, I, I, I was actually working in Clare at the, for, the, for the first game and I, I was working back in Cop for the replay, but like I was making efforts to get down and go training and we were training collectively in Kale and places like that and even getting home at the weekends was unbelievable. Sure, the place was alive. And of course you were facing the Haven. They had all the big hitters in Niall Collin, John Cleary, Larry Tompkins, uh, Niall's brothers, uh, certainly big hitters, but you were not phased. 
No, to be fair, look, and I, like I said earlier, like these guys were my idols growing up as a young lad, like, and to be facing into them in battle was, you know, it was a great challenge. But I think if you, any young lad that wants to, like, win something, you want to be beating the best. And as a young lad, I had been in Parker Keeve on several occasions, watching the Haven and the way they played and the battles they were in. And, um, you know, if we were going to win a country, there was no way better to to win it than to, to beat what you deem to be the best yourself. 16,007 people turned up on the 12th of October on a, a Sunday afternoon. It was a tremendous game of football, 10 points each. Uh, how did you feel leaving the place knowing that you'd have to come back again another day to try and finish the business? I was confident enough after the drawing game. I think we were very lucky to get out. I think Larry got a free, um, one of the last kicks of the game, one very similar to what he had um, kicked over against Kerry in a Munster final earlier and like when I saw that going wide I thought we had a great chance and I believed that again that bit of momentum would stand to the lads and they'd like there was always this bit of a fear factor I felt with some of the guys that you know we won't be able to take Castlehaven but I felt as though after the drawing game there was a bit more belief in the boys that they felt as though it was way more achievable and this transpired to the training field I remember the following week we trained and the training was ferocious. The running and like nobody had to say anything. Like it was like it was as tough as I've ever trained. But like one fellow was driving the next fellow on. Everybody wanted it. I could see the belief coming into the team. I felt as though um we had a great chance at that point. And of course, she had to wait in until the uh, the ninth of October, almost a, a month after the uh, after the drawn game, before you faced him again. I think it was a wet day in 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 Parky Keeve. Uh, Seamus Spencer goal was probably the difference uh, between the side. You won it one ten to one seven. That's right, yeah. Seamus got a great goal. I think he scored one two in the day, um, and from nowhere, you know, it had been difficult. And just after half time, we got the breaks and. You know, it it went our way. Look, I, we met there going back um, two years ago, and we watched uh, or three years ago in, in seventeen, and uh, we watched we watched the video of the game again, and I hadn't seen it for years, which was great. And um, you know, it was an enjoyable. It, it's great to be able to look back on it. It's, uh, the only pity was that we didn't win more of them, Michael. But look, it was a great time and a great time for the. Peninsula and the people of Bear and the, and the people abroad from Bear, I think they all kind of tapped into it and they all got an enjoyment out of it, which I think was the important thing for people, you know. Um, it lifted the whole place and we had great fun on the back of it while we had a great time, you know. People treated us really, really well after it. What do you remember that day when the final whistle went and you were probably hauled by a steward uh, probably 10 or 15 minutes after the final whistle? There was probably some fella shouting about uh, coming up to collect the cup, which is usually the case. Uh, what do you remember about walking up the steps and looking out and seeing the entire peninsula of Beira looking up at you? I, I think the first thing was my dad got on the field to me, which was brilliant. Um, and when I got up the steps, my mother was next to the presentation. Um, she had made her way into it. And I suppose that's very fun now. That night of the two of them are still with us. But um, to just, you know, your neighbours and your friends being there and the, the sheer joy of it, like being swarmed by people. It, it, like it, it was those moments of joy that you couldn't, you, you, 
you just try and you'd love to relive them time and time again, but you don't only get that feeling, you know, on a few occasions in your life, and it's very very special. Um, and of course, for a lot of people down there, they were so delighted that the monkey was off of the previous team, because you had been waiting thirty years to bring the the cup back to the peninsula. Yes, and uh, and uh, as captain, the amount of letters I got because you know email wasn't as strong and. You know, social media wasn't as strong back then. Like, I was getting letters in the post from, like, the players and the team. I got a letter from the captain of the team. You know, Connie, Paddy and myself have become great friends on the back of it. You know, these guys were so proud. Um, and there have been so many great Bearermen wore that jersey in between. You know, like, down in Bearer, we don't have, we don't have rugby. The nearest rugby field is Bantry. We don't have a lot of soccer. There was a soccer club there and I grew up, but like the main sport was football and, you know, the huge tradition, you know, with so many different places with Bearham and the likes of the great Dr. Khan and his father coming from Bear Island and stuff like that, you know, it was just, um, it was just great for people, you know, big Donald Sullivan as well, you know, involved in, in he was in Cork afterwards. Know these people that were so proud of us because of their ancestry, you know. And I know that she got um, and had a fantastic holiday, which she fundraised for yourselves afterwards. Yeah, we had we had so many fundraising things. And to be fair to to Donald Butcher O'Sullivan, um, he organised all that, and we rode in with him, and we all helped him. Like we were taken to, you know, the, I I was taken to the the Cockman's dinner in London, the Bearman's dinner in London. You know, we were treated by, you know, the, we'd say, two garnishmen, John and George Kelly, and, you know, they, they took us over and we were treated like kings. Like, we were, we were treated so well, and money given to us by loads of different businesses and donations so that we could be taken out on a holiday to rest and recuperate and hopefully go at it again in 1998. But I think the party got too good, like Finally, in relation to this particular discussion, what's the one moment from the whole year that you'd love to, that you'll remember for the rest of your life and you'd love to go back and visit right now? From from that time, I, I, I'd say, you know, just, just lifting that cup on top of the stand at the end of it was just surreal and uh, it's a great feeling to to have the honour and the privilege of doing that uh, on behalf of your, we say, your parish and your people. Um especially when we had struggled so long for the 30 years to try and bridge that gap. And you'd like to do that and do it with distinction and do it in the right way so that you'd represent your, your people properly. Like, and that's, that's the big thing that I always felt about is, you know, that I was very honored to be captain, very lucky to be captain. And when I got that um, honor that I'd, I'd take it right and deal with it right. But, um, just lifting that cup on behalf of the bearer people was a huge, huge honour and uh, a privilege for me. Of course, the uh, the last twelve months have also been an unreal time for you because you were, of course, uh, a selector uh, under Bobby O'Dwyer with the Cork Minor football team, and of course, she had some year in two thousand and nineteen. It was beyond your wildest dreams. What happened? Oh, completely, um, Michael. That was like for the two hours after that All Ireland. I, it was just a blur, unbelievable. You know, I suppose there's nothing like winning in Ireland, but I can tell you the sense of achievement, especially under the circumstances which and the way it happened. 
in Croke Park uh, was absolutely brilliant. A memory I'll carry for a long, long time. Of course, every game seemed to have a story. Like the first night that she turned up inside in uh, in Parky, ring against Kerry, it was a night to forget. Look, it was. Um, we didn't perform. But look, it, when you go out and you, things go as bad as it is, nobody wants to hear about the excuses. We had a fair idea ourselves where things went wrong. Like we knew the difficulties we had going into that game. Conditions went against us and Kerry were like very clinical. But we still had great faith in our team after that night, but we needed to get it out of them and that was the challenge for us. Yeah, and guys really had to grow up when the, the night they went up to Ennis. Yeah, like I, it was very hard, you know, when you're dealing with young lads at um, 15, 16 and 17 years old to explain to them what they're going into when they're going to Cusick Park. But um, look, I'd have had a good knowledge of Cusick Park, um, had history up there with Cork and I, like, the big thing for us was to get over that. And that was into the dogfight. We we went in there, but the lads really responded. And I think where we came up that night really was the, the depth of our, our subs. Our subs that came on that night did really, really well. And I think that carried us over the line. And, of course, then for the rest of the summer, it was almost the case uh, like that she started a momentum and it was almost impossible to stop. Exactly. But I think, you know, a lot of people wouldn't understand, but to try and get a minor team early in the year with the amount of school games, sport hurling and football, and the amount of club games, sport hurling and football, is very challenging. And I think the big thing for us was we knew after the Clare game that we were going to play in an All-Ireland series and we didn't set out to lose a Munster final, but we still had difficulties with guys overloading, doing too much, small injuries, niggas, fellas not being able to do collective training. And that didn't really come together until after the Munster final for us. Um, and I, I think that was that's the big challenge. That's the big challenge for the last number of years, I think, for Cork. But I, look, what we wanted to do as a group of selectors and management was we wanted to get young guys developed not just for a minor championship, but we wanted to develop them for Cork football in the future. And I think the important thing for us was to just to get into an All-Ireland series so guys would get the experience to go forward and play in a bigger stage. And in a way, like even though, OK, Kerry won the Munster final, like he probably learned a lot more out of that particular game than maybe they did as, as it turned out afterwards. Yes, like... Um, they had it in depth. Again, we were going into that game with a few injuries and a few things not going right. And look, we had the measure of them for most of the game. And the big thing for us was that our guys were so disappointed when Kerry got beaten. Um, and it wasn't Kerry they were meeting in the All-Ireland because it was Kerry the, the young lad wanted. They knew themselves that they wanted to get one over on them and they were confident that if they got another chance, they would be able to do it. And then, of course, we had the the journey up to the Midlands, up to O'Connor Park in Tullamore. I think it was on on a Sunday evening around around six o'clock. Got over that, and then suddenly found yourselves in Crow Park on a Saturday night. Yes, like the Crow Park, and like, Crow Park. The the Saturday night in Moor Park was like I think the lads really came of age and they showed what they were learning on the field, and you could see the work that was being done with them for the previous five weeks had really paid off, that they had developed 
their development was really starting to show. And it, that was that was our first period of being able to get stuff done, you know. And then, as we said, uh, found yourselves in the All-Ireland final against Galway. You could spend a week talking about the game. It had so many talking points. Yes, but look, I think the big thing there was that the very first night we played against Kerry, um, I think when Kerry got on top of us, we rolled over. And that was the biggest disappointment for me. Look, I think like any guy that plays football, Michael, you need to be able to, like, you know, you, you need to be gracious, like, in defeat. But, like, you have to be, you have to be able to battle on. Nobody wants you to give up. Look, we're not called rebels for nothing. And that was my biggest disappointment with the team the first night in Parky Ring, how they gave up. And we worked really hard in that, and we set a level of expectation for them. And I think, like, that really came to fruition in the dying minutes of the All-Ireland final in normal time, where, like, Conor Corbett got huge credit for a goal he got. But you have to compliment Keen O'Leary, the goalie, who kicked it out to our corner forward, Nick O'Neill from Buttevant, who broke it down to Hugh Murphy, our wing forward, who kicked the ball into um, Conor Corbett, who finished it under the like with three men coming at him but like so many of the guys had learned from the journey and they had developed and that was so pleasing and then selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Of course, I suppose she had the momentum and extra time. They tend to take on a life of their own. And like you were, you were so dominant in the first half that literally it was all over by halftime. It was. But look, I suppose... Um Ryan O'Donovan like such a superb footballer for my band Gales the, the disappointment for him like for not being started and then only getting the opportunity to come on very late in normal time but like we knew his talent but he, he seemed to do that for us like on a few of the games where he, he came on and there was a huge impact and um, like one fellow that spoke to us said, you need a bit of ginger in every team, you know. He came on and he was cross that he hadn't been on sooner. And then he just, he lit up the whole place with his ability to score, like turn left and turn right. And I think he made a huge difference in uh, extra time, the first period of it. And of course, uh, like it was so bizarre the way everything came right for Cork and Minor and under 21, considering there was such doom and gloom earlier on in the year, you'd swear to God we were never again going to win anything. Yeah, look, and I know, and that was the talk. And 
that's fine. But look, there's talent in Cork all the time. It's just about trying to get it together and get it right. Um, and to be fair, to be very wrong, I mean not to mention the county board and how well they treated us last year, because a lot of the time you'd hear um, like that you wouldn't get this from the county board and you wouldn't get that from the county board. Like in that journey last year, like I couldn't compliment them enough. You know, like they're under like they're under pressure with finances and stuff. But what I I could only say that they were unbelievably fair to us. I had Pat Nolan on the programme a couple of weeks ago who's 48 and who's going to be to 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 listen to himself he's going to be playing premier intermediate uh, football in uh, 2021 okay you're not going to be playing playing premier intermediate football but you're probably going to be playing junior b football with garnish your love for them is endless ah uh, yeah look i suppose i should be finished long ago michael and i know that and the guys at the club know that, and it's no big secret. I'm actually one age with uh, Pat Nolan. We would have come up along through the ranks together at underage with Cork and stuff. Um, like, and he's minded himself, and he's in supreme shape, like for his age. Uh, but look, in Garnish, circumstances are we struggle to field. We've gone down to Junior B just to give a bit of a lift to the younger guys in the parish to try and win a few games. Um, and the only reason I'm staying involved and staying playing is to keep the club alive because we need the numbers. And I'm not the oldest guy in the team. Like, Paul Murphy is a few months older than me and he's still there as well. And to be fair, look, the only reason we're doing it is we love the game, number one. We love the club and we want to keep it alive. What are our options? If the likes of us walk away from it and one or two more walk away from it, the club falls. Now, you'll find that the best guys in the team will go on and play for, we'll say, one, whoever the club merges with. But then you'll have a follow to maybe four or five fellas who may never again play football. And I think it's important for those guys and for the youth, the youth in the parish to have the opportunity to play for their own club if it's possible at all. And you're obviously hopeful, like the rest of us, that there'll be some sort of action before the summer is out. Oh, yes. Look, I... I Look, I'm aware, as, as you are, I think that lots of guys are back now. They're doing their running and their social distancing and no contact and no football. But loads of teams are back and they're running and stuff in, in fields, not GA fields, because they're not open yet. But I'd be hoping that I'd be hoping that Garnish will be back and I'd be hoping that the Cork Miners will be back before the year, that we'll have a bit of fun and a bit of enjoyment and we'll get out and we'll meet the lads and have a bit of crack. Before I bring the interview to an end, I want to go back to something that uh, I know about you from the time you were a minor. Tell the listeners the story about the the pop you brought to uh, to training one night and that you didn't take home because you sold him to somebody when you went to training. <laughs> I don't know who your informers are, Mikey, but you're getting your information fairly good anyway. Um, we, we farm at home, Michael, and uh, I was we had a bit of hill and a bit of mountain and I always had a collie dog and we had pups and in 1990 we were being driven by the great Tim Joe Willie from uh, Ellen Rovers and uh, Tim Joe used to pick me up in Belaliki but the conversation grew up in the car was I was telling him how the my dog had pups and he was on about the pups so we'd done a deal anyway and I sold the pup to Tim Joe for himself so I, uh, on my way to car training one night, I bought the dog with me. Um, Tim Joe picked us up in 
Bella Licky. Uh, we went down to Parky Keeve. We trained, minor training, Parky Keeve. Um, Tim Joe had the pup with him. He got sick and um, Tilly's number two all over the place destroyed the car and uh, brought the pup back down. I got dropped off in Bella Licky. Tim Joe headed off home with his pup. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 